And Christ alone should be, should always be our theme. Should always be. Whether you look to Christ by faith as an infant, as we did last week. If you go back further than that, as prophecy. If you look to Him by faith as prophecy. It's in Christ alone. If we look to Him as He is a young child, or while He is doing miracles, or all of these different times of His life, if we look to Him, we will find help in times of trouble. I echo what Miss Amy said, that that is a song that could be a theme for the year. And I've also got one that's biblical that I want to share with you as well. That is the book of Psalms in chapter 20. If you have your Bibles turned there, you can remain seated. Psalms chapter 20. This will be an anthem, an anthem for the children of Israel. When you're there, please say amen. amen. We have a battle hymn, the battle hymn of the Republic. We sing it. Where's my, my songbook? Can I borrow that, son? Thank you. We sing it, the battle hymn of the Republic, around the 4th of July. Because of what the Lord has done for us. He has set us free as a country. He has set us free. We have the freedom to worship. Because of people who believed and truly trusted in Christ, they have fought for our freedom, and, and we have that. And we, it's the battle hymn of the Republic. And I want to read to you um, just a couple of verses from that, because I think as we look at, as we've heard the song that Miss Amy sang, as we look at Psalms 20, as we see the battle hymn of the Republic, on page 645 in our songbook, we see a theme. We see a theme. And the theme is, is that there is strength, power, freedom, liberty in one man. And that's Jesus Christ. And it says this in this song, which is a a battle hymn for America. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed... This used to be, this used to be sung as the battle hymn of the Republic. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of His terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. And it goes on and it goes on. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. It'll never sound retreat. 
He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free while God is marching on. He is coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is wisdom to the mighty. He is honor to the brave. So the world shall be his footstool and the soul of wrong his slave. Our God is marching on. We sing in Christ alone who took on flesh. Fullness of God and helpless babe. And the song goes through and we see the glory of, of Christ Jesus and truly who he is in Christ alone who lived his life. In any part of his life you see, you can find that truth. You can find that strength. You can find the power that you need. Any part of his life. From the birth to the tomb to the resurrection to the ascension and where he is seated now. And it would do our hearts good to focus on that. However, this morning in Psalms 20, we have another anthem. Another anthem. This is an anthem that was to be sung. And it was sung very often. This psalm will be applied to the king before going out to battle. It's interesting to me, and I told David this this morning that this psalm was wrote by David inspired by the Holy Spirit penned by David and given to the chief choir director if you will to the chief musician for them to sing this song before David and his men went out to battle before they went out to battle We have a year that is coming up. We've had a hard year that is fixing to end. And make no mistake about it. If you believe that the next year is going to be easier, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's not going to be easier. This is why we have these anthems throughout the Word of God. This is why we have all of these testimonies and all these pillars of truth that stand in God's Word that the saints of God have experienced through the power of God. For us to reflect back on and to see, for us to trust in the Lord God. But this Psalms 20 was given so that it could be rehearsed over David, that it could be rehearsed over his warriors before they went into battle. This psalm is also about Jesus Christ. I'm not going that direction this morning. I'm going to go another direction because we can see it about us. We can see it about David in its context. We can also see it about Jesus Christ. And today we're going to apply it to David and to his people and to us. Okay? 
But I find great comfort in knowing that King David wrote out his own battle anthem. He wrote it out. His own battle anthem he wrote out. And when I first realized that, I thought to myself, well, that's strange. But then I thought to myself, no, it really isn't. A well-thought-out plan is a lot better than something off the cuff. You understand what I'm telling you? Something well thought out and something well put together. Something that has, has taken time. That has been mulled over. That has been meditated upon. is far greater than something off the top of the head. And so when I see David and he is penning this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We see an anthem. We see a battle hymn of the Republic forming. That's to be sung. In public, before everybody, over the king, and over the militants that stand with him. As Christians, when it comes to worship, when it comes to prayer, it is very important that what we sing and what we pray, listen to me, what we sing and what we pray, be well thought at. Thought out, even if we have to write it down. I don't care if it's a prayer. I don't care if it's a song. Well thought out. This is what's taking place in our text. This is a psalm that we can use. It is very applicable. It is something that has a lot of power in it. It is something that we can pray over others. It is something that we can pray for ourselves. Let me read you this text. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. This is Psalms chapter 20, 1 through 9. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. And may he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners and may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saying, with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. And I can hear them. I can see them by faith with my mind's eye. David and his men rehearsing this over before war. In formation. In their battle gear. Ready to go out and ready to do battle. Because they were God's chosen people. And I can hear them saying it. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Can't you see them saying it? As they stand there, resolute, saluting the Lord. It's an army that was ready for battle, an army that was prepared, an army that was clothed for battle. 
an army that had a leader who they looked to, their captain, their king, David. And so David pins this and and it stands as as a national anthem for them. It stands as something for them to sing before battle. And it applies to us as well. This is a psalm that we absolutely can use. Why? Because we are absolutely engaged in a spiritual warfare. Absolutely engaged in a spiritual warfare every single day. I as a pastor can pray this over the church and the church can then pray this over the pastor. It goes both ways. We can use this for our family and our family can use it for the individual. And so an anthem stands here, and this is a very powerful anthem. It speaks of the name of God. It speaks of His power. It speaks of His deeds. It speaks of trusting in Him. It speaks of war. And folks, I need it. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I need it. I need you praying for me. I need you praying this over me and over my family. And I promise I'll do the same back. Sometimes I'm absolutely terrible at spiritual warfare. You ever feel like that? Battling spiritual, spiritually, sometimes I'm terrible at it. I feel like my helmet of salvation And when I think about a helmet, I think about a football helmet, is what I think about. (laughs) Sometimes my helmet seems like it's got so many scuffs on it that there's no luster and no shine to it at all. Sometimes my belt of truth seems to have come undone. Right or wrong, am I telling the truth or am I the only one here? Sometimes my feet that should be shod with peace and the gospel are shod with haughtiness and anger. The breastplate of righteousness that should be covering our vitals is not so righteous at times. And the shield of faith has become very doubtful in our lives. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, sometimes we forget it all together. And without these, we cannot battle against the enemy. We cannot. And I, and I feel terrible at times. I do. This is something that, I, I mean, it's, it's a battle for a reason. You're not always winning the battle, amen or no. It's just not always the case. Sometimes I fight from off one knee. Sometimes I feel like I'm on my face and the enemy is whipping me on the back. Boom, boom, boom. Like it all comes down at one time. And this is just me being completely honest and transparent and open with you. Vulnerable. I would like to say that I would have been David who stood before the uncircumcised Philistine and said, How 
dare you speak against my Lord, but I'm more like his brother half the time who was standing in the background, scared to death, like the king, Saul, who wouldn't come out and face him. And so we see that spiritual warfare is something that is true. It is something that is real. And it is something that is extremely difficult. And it is something that this church has experienced to the max over the past year. And it's not going to let up. Anytime you are serving the Lord, anytime the Word of God is being preached, anytime that you are trying to learn more about Him and practice the principles that are from the Word of God, you can bet you're going to grow very weak and very tired. Moses had one job to do, and that was stand on top of the mountain and hold his hands up. Very tedious job. You say, that would have been easy for me. You stand out there all day, doing one thing all day long and not move. And tell me if it's easy or if it's not. You say, well, it's easy to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. It's easy to put on the shield of faith and the belt of truth and the, and the shoes shod with preparation of the gospel of peace and to swing that old sword, the Word of God around. It's easy to do that. No, it's not. If Moses couldn't hold his hands up while they were battling the Amalekites, if he couldn't hold his hands up the whole time and he had to have her and Aaron hold them up for him so they could win the battle... I promise you right now, spiritual warfare is going to be difficult. Moses grew tired during the battle. And all he was doing was keeping his hands raised. The one thing that he had to do, he could barely do it. Why? Because the spirit is willing, the heart wants to do it, but the flesh is so incredibly weak. It needs help. Moses grew tired doing the same thing over and over until his companions, his close companions, Aaron and her family, came to his aid, picked his arms up, came to support him in that tedious work. As we look at this anthem, I want us to understand something that when we see this, this is not only an a, a anthem to be rehearsed over the king, David, but over the church, over the pastor, over the family. And it takes other people doing this for us. And it also takes ourselves. If you notice, David was the one that wrote it. But he gave it to the chief musician for them to then sing over David and the militants. And so what I'm telling you is that not only is it good for us, not only is a good, well-thought-out prayer good for us, a song good for us that we're to offer up to the Lord, but it's also good for us to offer it up on behalf of others, just as Aaron and Hur did with Moses. You say it's simple. Maybe so. You try holding your arms up all day and see what happens. You're going to need help. Supporting... Supporting and walking in the armor of God is not easy. 
It takes diligence and it takes time and it takes practice. And if you don't do those things, you're going to be like David who was, who was literally put on Saul's armor and it didn't fit him. He couldn't do anything with it. Remember that? He put on Saul's armor and it was like, this doesn't fit me. How am I supposed to battle the Philistine with this armor that's too big? A lot of people walking around in armor that's just not fitting them that well. In our text, King David knew he needed help. He needed the blessings of the people and the blessings of the Lord. He knew he needed this. He needed the strength of the Lord. The prayers of the people, the songs of the people. He wanted them before he went into battle. And we need that as well. For our church, for me as a pastor, for you as a congregation, for us being the bride of Christ, individually we need it, collectively we need it. We need it. When we see our brother or sister that is struggling, we need to give it. Don't we? Sometimes it's easier to let somebody else do it. But we need to give it. Verse 1 says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. One thing David knew was that he was a militant king. He was a militant king. This man, was a, he was a king of war. And it just didn't happen when he was crowned. It happened when he was anointed. He was a king of war. And we see that throughout his life, from the time he was anointed by Samuel to the time he died, he was in constant battle. Constant battle. And I hope you heard what I just said, because if you didn't, I'm going to say it again. From the time he was anointed by Samuel to the time he died, he was in constant battle. And if you think that we are going to be any different from the time that we are saved by the time that we go to be with our Lord, you are sadly mistaken. From the time that we're anointed with the oil of gladness, from the time that we're anointed with that salvation that's been given to us, that's been imputed to us, that righteousness, by the time that takes place to the time that we go and see our Lord, it is going to be one battle after another. And we have a new year coming up. And if we're not ready for it and we're not fitting our armor and we're not doing the things that we need to do, including myself, we're going to be fighting handicapped. Just, just is what it is. We have to be able to see the same with us. Whether it's our flesh, the world around us, or the enemy... We must sing and pray like David for ourselves and for the church and for the people around us. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. The other th 
thing that I would like to show you about this passage of Scripture is, uh, listen to what it says. This first verse in this anthem song. May the Lord answer you. To answer means to speak back to. Debo. When I say your name, you're supposed to say yes. That is a response. Sandra. That is a response, Helen. Helen. Yes, that is a response. When you speak to someone, they respond and speak back. Listen to the word of God. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. For the Lord to answer us means first that we should be a people that speak to him. Don't we get it? It's very difficult to answer when you're never spoken to. Casey and I, we try to... I'm not going to tell anything bad, honey. We try to... We try to make communication a, a part of our marriage. Sometimes it's awfully bitter. Sometimes it's awfully sweet. One thing that bothers me more than anything is when my children and I'm watching TV and one of them comes into the kitchen and they open the refrigerator and I can literally count how many seconds the refrigerator doors open. I'm like, one, two, three. For by this point, I know it's either one of the older two, because one of the younger two would have probably shut it very quickly because they're only so high and they know what they can see and what they can get to. But the other two are bigger. They open the freezer, they look up top, they look below, and they stand there and they study it. Study it, study it, study it. They look at it and I say, Who's in the kitchen? Anna, is that you? And I don't hear anything. That means whoever's there, respond back. Selah, is that you? Yes, sir. Why didn't you respond when I said something the first time? Well, you thought it was Anna. (laughs) I'm like, respond to me. Let me know that you are there. I'm not hearing things. I know the freezer and refrigerator are open. Our Lord wants us to respond to Him. He wants us to speak to Him so He can respond back. He wants us to talk to Him. In our marriage to Him, there must be communication. Call on Him. Our Savior initiated this love medley a long time ago. He initiated it with me before the foundation of the earth brought it to pass at the cross. And in time, he called me when I was 13, and that was him speaking to me. And what did he want in response? For me to respond to him and speak back and say, yes, Lord. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. It's talking about, this is a psalm. This is a song that is sung and that people are to be and are expected to be speaking to the Lord. Speaking to Him. 
He initiates the first because we're not able. It's a dialogue. And ever since, ever since he initiates that first act of love towards us, that first effectual call to us, where he calls us by name and he says, Matthew, you're a sinner. Matthew, you need me. Matthew, repent and believe the gospel. Then we do what? Respond back to him. And so this ongoing communication is what should be. And in our battle and in our life, in this spiritual warfare, we have to keep an open line of communication with the king of kings. I've read and I've watched, I've watched dozens of movies about war. World War I, World War II, Vietnam. Nelson was in Vietnam. I've read and I've watched all of these things, documentaries. And when communication went down with headquarters, when communication went down with the people that were bringing aid and supplies, is when the people got in trouble. When the soldiers got in trouble. When communication was cut and lost, the people got in trouble. See, there has to be a communication between us and the king. Has to be. Let's move on. Verse 1, May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. And all we're doing is verse 1, but I want you to understand something. He is bringing out the big guns here. The second part of this verse. First, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. And then the second is, may the God of Jacob protect you. The God of Jacob. And this speaks volumes. And I love that David here, of course inspired, he goes back to Genesis. David must have been, I mean, just a really cool dude. I mean, he goes back to Genesis. He goes back to the God of Jacob, which then puts us in remembrance of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is the God of the living. He is the God of the living. Do you hear me? He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And when we say this, the God of Jacob, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. It's pulling out the big guns. In this anthem, to be sung, his name is to be remembered and to be sung aloud. It's to be let out. The God of Jacob. That holds a lot of weight and it holds a lot of meaning. Why? Because the God of Jacob was the covenant-keeping God. He still is. Because he is the covenant-keeping God means that he cannot change. The promise-keeping God. The God of Jacob is the promise-keeping God, the covenant-keeping God. The God of Jacob is the almighty God. So before they go out to battle, they are put in remembrance. Put in remembrance that if trouble comes, the Lord is their king. They're put in remembrance that if trouble comes, that the God of Jacob, the promise-keeper, the covenant-keeper... Is going to be with them. Listen to what Genesis 35, 
teaches us about this very thing. And it kind of sounds like David is singing the song of Jacob. Genesis 35, 2 and 3 says this. You can turn there or you can listen, but I've already got it. Psalms 35, 2 and 3. This is when Jacob is renamed to Israel. And he says this in verse 2. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him. Remember, it's not just to the person, but it's also to those around you. It's not just to the pastor and to the king and to the people that's like in the home or the head of this one or the head of that one. But it's to all. This is to be answered back and forth, back and forth. So he says to his family, so Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Kind of sounds like David's song, doesn't it? May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. The God of Jacob. Jacob trusted in the faithful God. The true Lord of Lords. Then the 11th verse, it says this, and it tells us his name. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. It gives us the name of the covenant-keeping God. Name of the promise-keeping God. And it is, I am the God Almighty. The Almighty God. There's none any stronger than me. Why is this important? Why should this be rehearsed? Why should this be in an anthem to be sung over David and his militants, over David and his soldiers? Why? Because it puts them in remembrance of who they're fighting for. The God Almighty is His name. In our anthem, in our song, in our prayer, for ourselves and for others, we should remember that He not only is the covenant keeper, you see this going back into Genesis, you see that He has done that, He has kept those, which tells us the things in the past that he has kept is just a reminder and is a testimony of the future that he will continue to keep them. That we should remember not only that he is the covenant keeper, but he is the almighty God who goes before us. When I think about this passage passage of Scripture in chapter 20, my mind's eye sees David. And when I see David, I see a a man that is reflecting back on his days as a youth. Reflecting back on the days when he killed the lion and when he killed the bear. Remember that? This was a man's man. This was a man that was from war. Even as he was watching over his father's sheep, he killed the lion and the bear. And then, after that, as a young man, he went out into the valley by himself, which we know the Lord went before him. 
But he went by himself. And I can, I can see David reflecting back to these moments of trial and these moments of victory. That period of David's life where he, where he defeated the giant Philistine, Goliath. And the memories of those great victories stood as a, as a pillar and a testimony to David. To the truth and the strength of the Almighty God. For he says this, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. These times in David's history stood as monumental moments when this mighty God stood up for him, went before him, defeated the enemies that broke forth like a flood against the Philistines before him. This is why it's in this war cry from David. That's why it's here. David wanted this to be rehearsed in the ears of the people, in his military, and even himself as the king. That they remember that the Lord, that He is the Almighty God. He is the God of war. He's the God of war. It's very easy to forget what the Lord has done for us and who He is. You have a season of prosperity and you forget. You have a season of drought and you remember <laughs> real quick. Plain and simple. I mean, that's who, that's who it is. I mean, we went through a drought this past year and everybody's praying for rain. Have a season of plenty and people spending like crazy. They forget the Lord. Just is what it is. But it's easy to forget Him. And I'm just about done. I want you to pay careful attention to this. It's easy to forget Him and what the Lord's done for us and who He is. And what happens when we forget? I'm going to tell you what happens with me. And I don't know if this is the same with you, but I know that it is with me. So I have a feeling that probably it might be the same with you. When we forget who the Lord is, when we are not put in remembrance of the God of Jacob, the covenant keeper, the promise keeper, when we are not put in remembrance of that, and when we do not do that daily, and when there is not an ongoing conversation with the God of Jacob daily, I'll tell you what happens to me. Despondency. Depression. Despair. Woe is me. All those things set in. And when these set in, we've become absolutely ineffective for our Savior. Absolutely ineffective for our Savior. But, I know this. That one quick glance to Christ and to Christ alone. One quick glance whether it's to him in the manger or whether him in the temple in his wisdom 
one quick glance as he's feeding the 5,000 or one quick glance to him as he is remaining pure through his ministry. One quick glance to our Savior while he's hanging on the cross with nails in him and with thorns in him and with blood gushing out of his side. One quick glance is all it takes for him to turn my heart around. This is why we're to look to him, the captain of the Lord's host, to the captain of our salvation. We're to look to him, to the king, to the king who conquered death. You know, he beat death. He beat it. With one look of faith to the king who holds the keys of death in Hades. He holds them. To hold the key means power and authority. He holds the keys of death in Hades and he is clothed in a long robe with a golden sash. One quick look to this one. One quick look to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is clothed with a golden sash around his chest. Whose hair is as white as wool, even as snow white. A quick glance and a quick look to our Savior whose eyes are like flaming fire. And his feet are like burnished bronze. One quick glance. One look to our Savior. Whose voice is of the sound of and the roar of many waters. One quick glance and one look. To the Savior who's out of his mouth comes a sword that is sharper than, than anything. One quick glance and one look to our Savior who is seated upon the throne. And there is nothing or nobody that can stand before us. Nobody. Nothing can come against His bride. And this is what we see in this anthem in Psalms 20 and verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. It's taking our attention off of ourselves and placing it on the one who is able to do the protecting and to do the delivering and to do the redeeming. But we get into these places of despondency. We get into these places of anxiety. And it's when we take our eyes off the King of Kings. It's when we take our eyes off the one that is seated upon the throne. The one that is crowned with glory and crowned with honor. The one who is above all and is all and through all. The one who is the Lord of Lords. The Almighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. When we take our eyes off of Him. When we begin to not speak to Him. 
we grow despondent and we begin to lose the battle. David reminds us here that we are to look, to rehearse it over in our ears, the God of Jacob, the covenant keeper, the promise keeper, the strong one, the mighty one, the everlasting king. One look by faith to this militant king, King Jesus, should be all we need. And you see that there all in verse 1. The God of Jacob says it all. The one who's able to protect says it all. The mighty God says it all. David tells us, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble and may the God of Jacob protect you. This morning I can see as the children of Israel were going out for battle. And make no mistake about it, David's sword probably wasn't very pretty because it was probably dinged up like crazy. He fought a lot. But I can see by faith them standing there as the choirs begin to sing. And as they pray and sing this song over the king and over the soldiers, it would do us good to do the very same over ourselves and over the bride of Christ. Back and forth. To help each other, just as Moses was helped by Aaron and her. This new year coming up is going to be faced with multiple, multiple challenges. Spiritual battles. And if you try to do it by yourself, you're going to fail. You just can't. The God of Jacob can, however. The bride of Christ can, however, help you and help me. Remember that in this upcoming year. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. Let's pray.